You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. And so I want to do a message, a bit of a, uh, around the Christmas theme, and I've called this Making Room for the King. And, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, the reality is I, I was thinking about what should I call this, and, and, you know, I was thinking, well, making room for a miracle, because who knows that when Jesus came to the earth, that was a miracle. Uh, making room for breakthrough, making room for peace. And, but the reality is when you make room in your life for the King, He brings miracles with Him. He brings breakthrough with Him. He brings peace and joy with Him. And the more that we make room for the King, the more that we make room in our lives for the King to be the King in our lives, all of those other things are a byproduct of us allowing Him to be the king in our life. And, and so I want to look at a bit of Scripture, just three different sections right at the start, and, and just to see a little bit of the Christmas story, because <clears throat> really there was three characters that I want to highlight that got to be a part of this incredible miracle. I mean, think about it. God, the creator of the universe, choosing to come to earth as a little baby. And, and to, to come to earth, to, to, to know that He'd eventually grow up and die on a cross to bring salvation to mankind. The earth had been going for thousands of years and this was the moment that God turned up as a man. What an incredible miracle. Wow. And there's three kind of people that are, uh, you know, some more than others, but, but play a part and they got to be a part of the miracle. But all of these three people had to make a decision to make way for the king to make room for the king. And so I want to first, let's look at, I'm going to look at all three of these and then I've got three points that I want to look at. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And here we see Mary. It says, even Elizabeth, your relative, uh, this is an angel speaking to her, your relative is going to have a child, excuse me, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For, for no word from God will ever fail. Isn't that a good word right there? No word from God will ever fail. When you've got a word from God, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. It doesn't matter what the doctors said. It doesn't matter what the economy is saying. No word from God will ever fail. I am, we, we've just missed a whole heap of Scripture. This is why you should bring your Bible on stage. Because how do we get to verse 38 when we started at verse 26? Oh, that's why. Can I quickly have a Bible? <laughs> All right. I was thinking I should have had my Bible on stage. Sorry. All right, Luke. All right, we're going to do it old school. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're getting there. I, I got it. Yeah, Luke. All right, no. All right, here we go. All right, let's start again. Matthew, uh, Luke. <laughs> Luke, it's about on the screen now, 26. But that's where we did, no, but that's, that's what we just did. We just did this and we jumped from 26 to 38 though. I'm going to stick with the Bible just for a moment, just on this one. And then we'll come back. And it is true. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, are we, are we, is it following me? The angel went to her and said, greetings, here we go. You who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was, uh, was said to be unable to conceive in it is in her sixth month. For no, God, no word from God will ever fail. I feel like we've been there before. I am the Lord's... <coughs> you ever had deja vu? No, just... All right. <coughs> Uh, I am the, I love this part, I want you to catch this, where she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, I will make room for the king. And, and we think about this, right? We, we think, oh, well, yeah, of course she would, but I don't know. One thing, she was planned to be married to Joseph. If I know a little bit about females, and I'm still trying to work it out, okay? It's been 18 years of marriage, and as each day goes on, I feel like I know less, okay? <laughs> and, and, but if I know one little thing that I would encourage younger men or do not mess with a female's wedding day. Do you know what I'm saying? Do not get, do not mess with that day, okay? What she says goes. And, and, and females can become very obsessive. Everything has to be perfect, and, and it's all about this day and, and I need to start dieting now because uh, the, the dress has got, you know, all of it. And here is this angel coming and saying, yeah, I know you're getting married in a little while, but you'll be pregnant. And it won't be your husband's child. <clears throat> do, do you understand, if you put it in, so like Mary had her life set. She's like, I know Joseph, I've known him for a while. He's my childhood sweetheart. He's got a good job. He's got a good income. We're getting married on this date. Here's the house we're going to move into. This is how many children we're going to have. Mary had everything set. And all of a sudden, an angel comes and disrupts everything and says, no, you're actually going to carry God's child. And of course, with all of what I said in the back of her mind, she says, I am your servant. Let your word be fulfilled. In other words, I'm ready to make room for the king. And then we see another part of the story in Joseph, Matthew 1, verse 19 to 25. And it says, here we go. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he's obviously found out that she's pregnant. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And again, uh, and it goes on to say that, that Joseph did what, what he was meant to do. And, and, and again, I think about this kind of in the natural sense, okay? Like, like, I remember we've been married 18 years. I remember proposing. And like I said, all the bride is thinking about is the wedding day. Every detail. But all I was thinking about was the honeymoon. Every detail. And could you imagine, I'm in love with Jackie. The wedding date is set. We've booked the honeymoon. And she sits me down for coffee and she says, look, by the way, I've got to tell you something. Don't freak out. But I'm pregnant. Don't, don't worry. I haven't been with anybody else. It was God. <laughs> like, seriously, like, seriously. Come on, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. If your wife told you she was pregnant and hadn't been with another man, but it was God, would you believe her? Even when the angel turned up, I think Jackie spiked my drink just to, for me to go ahead with her. No. But, but again, I love that Joseph even though this would totally disrupt his plans, he made way for the king. And then lastly, in a much smaller way, we see in Luke chapter two, verse four to seven, it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, uh, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house. There was a big sense as he went back to where he was from. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Another translation said there was no room in the inn. And again, I wonder how many doors they knocked on. I wonder how many managers or owners of inns could have been part of the greatest miracle known to mankind. They could have been a part of the miracle that brought salvation to the entire world, but there was only one. There was only one manager that looked at his sheet and he saw that every room was taken, but he thought, you know what, we've at least got a barn and we could make some room for the king. And because he made room for the king, he was a part of this incredible miracle. And I want to give you... Before I do that, you know, I remember in my own story that many have heard, and at 16 years old, heavily addicted to drugs, drug-induced psychosis, hearing voices, the television speaking to me, suicidal. I remember many, many, many nights where I'd cry myself to sleep in hopelessness. And I remember at 23, radically meeting Jesus and and sometimes when I think about my life that from where I was, uneducated, no money, from a family that my parents did drugs, suicidal, mentally ill, statistics say that I shouldn't be succeeding. 
but I pinch myself thinking I've been all around the world and preached in some of the greatest churches and seen tens of thousands of people give their lives to Jesus and thousands get free of anxiety and depression and, and addictions and so much more. And I, I am so aware that it is only the goodness of God that has made that happen. It's the grace of God. But at the same time, there was a moment at the age of 23 when he appeared in my lounge room and I said, you know what? I'm so tired of how I have been living. I wanna make room for the king. I'm gonna make so much room because I'm so sick of what I've had. I'm so sick of where I've been. I'm so sick of what life's looked like. I'm gonna make so much room for the king that he could come and do what he wants. You know, there was... Uh, uh, one of my relatives and another friend that became Christians at the same time as me, but their approach was different. They made room, but just a little bit of room. And both of them didn't end up following Jesus. Now, God loves them the same as He loves me. And thankfully, they've both come back around to, to, to relationship with God. But 20 years later, and when you make room for the King, so much blessing, so much favor, so many miracles come with it. Let me quickly give you three things. Three areas where we need to make room for the king and three areas where all three of these characters in this story had to make room. Number one, you've got to make room in your mind. You've got to make room in your thinking. <clears throat> see, see, think about it. In all of these examples, when the angel told Mary, you're going to get pregnant, that messed with her mind. Because her mum gave her the birds and bees talk. She, she had done biology at school. She had sat down and, and, and talked about what needs to happen for a baby to come in, to, you know, to, to get pregnant. And she's sitting there with her brain saying, but I haven't done what needs to happen to have a baby. And you're telling me that somehow, I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's one thing to say, yes, I'll believe what God says. But who knows that there's a tension in your brain and your mind that's trying to rationally work out. But sometimes what God is saying is foolishness to the world. But that's where we have to trust and at times let our brain get out of the way and say, well, I'm just going to believe. Yes, my brain might say it's possible, but I'm going to believe the Word of God and that it is possible because all things are possible to those that believe. And again, the same thing with, with, with Joseph, you know, when he was told, yes, he had this encounter with God, but, but he still had to overcome the mind, overcome, you know, you know when the encounter wears off. You know, it's all good in the moment. You know, when the angel comes and he says, yes, this is from God and, and this son is going to change the world. And when you're in the midst of the encounter, it's like, yes, I know it's going to happen. But in a week, that's where your brain can start to rationally think, hang on a second. How can a girl be pregnant without another man being involved? I know what the angel said but it's just not possible up here. And again, Joseph had to make room in his mind, make room in his thinking to believe what God could do. And again, maybe this manager was the only one that made room in his mind because maybe there were several other managers 
that, that they were just blocked in their thinking. They looked at the sheet and said, the rooms are full. But maybe many of them had other rooms or other um, stables, but there was only one that made a decision to say, I'm going to think outside of the box. I'm going <clears> to <throat> see what could be. I remember being a Christian only about two weeks and God started to teach me this principle <clears throat> in such a small way. But now it's had so much benefit because I use this principle so often. When I first became a Christian, like I said, I had a, a, a past and I was living in a bad environment and the church helped me where they said I could move into this kind of discipleship home. I was 23 years old and there was going to be a six-week period where I'd have no money. Because I had had plans for in six weeks, money would start to come. I didn't have hardly any savings at all. And so I stepped into this six weeks of just being born again and trusting God. And I had a very small amount of money. I think it was just people that might have given me $50 here or whatever. And, and, and thankfully the church let me stay in this house for free for six weeks. And, and, and I remember the first time I'm about two weeks saved. And, and so I go to the supermarket and I, I've got to get dinner for the night. <clears throat> and I think, well, I'll get frozen pizza. And, and so I, I go to grab the pizza. I'm two weeks saved, and this voice says, don't get the pizza. And I'm like, well, no, hang on a second. I've got to eat, and I'm hungry, and I need to buy food because that's what you do, and I've got to buy the pizza. And so I, I grab the pizza, and I'm kind of walking, and this voice again says, go put the pizza back. And, and in, my, in my, my brain, I'm wrestling between the two. I'm like, well, hang on a second. I need to eat tonight, and I don't have any food, and I've got to eat the pizza. And, and, and I'm like just two weeks saved. And so I go through the checkout, and even while I'm going through this voice, and, and I, I, I've hardly got any money, and now I take almost the little I have, and I pay for the pizza. And I, I go home, and I'm, I'm a bit wondering what all that was about. I was home, I reckon, five or ten minutes. And where I lived, there was a place called the Gold Coast in Australia. And there was this one pizza place that did the best pizzas on the whole of the Gold Coast. And one particular guy in our church who was an elder, he worked at this particular pizza shop. And I'm home only 10 minutes. And he turns up to our house with 10 pizzas that are the best pizzas on the whole of the Gold Coast. And it's such a small example, and I was only two weeks saved, but God was showing me right at the beginning, you, you've got to make room up here. You've got to make room in your mind, because sometimes what God is saying doesn't actually make room here, but you need to choose, are you going to believe here and live in this, or are you going to choose to believe and make room for the King in the realm of your mind and your thinking? It was such a small example, but for eight years, I've been traveling full-time around the world, and, and we've lived here, I think, three and a half years. I started to travel, and things really started to open up. I, when I was in Australia, I was booked 48 weekends out of 52 every year for five years. And every year, the churches I went to became more significant and, and larger and, and, and more influence. And, and, but the funny thing was, the influence... New Zealand started to speak at the, the biggest two churches in New Zealand and same in Australia and, and in South Africa and, and in Europe and in Asia and everywhere I went, it continued to expand everywhere except America. And every time, every now and again, I'd try and do a trip in America and I would pay my own money to come to America. And there were times that I was here where I came for two or three Sundays and I was only able to book one Sunday. I paid all this money to come. What is there, a million churches in the whole of America? 
And on a Sunday, I'm, I'm thinking in South Africa, I'd be at a church of 10,000 people and New Zealand is a church of 8,000 people and I'm in America and not one. This was the hardest place that I've ever had to come and I'll talk about this at the end because of visa issues and some stuff that I did 23 years ago that affects, makes everything very complicated. And so I had all these issues with America. Everywhere else was opening up. And then I have this moment, this encounter where God speaks about five years ago and He says, you and your family are moving to America. And again, my brain says, no, 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 no. Don't you mean New Zealand or South Africa or like somewhere where there's incredible favour and blessing and open doors? I don't know if you've realised, but I've been to America and couldn't even get like one Sunday. And again, I tell you, we have grown more than we've ever grown in our entire life in the last three and a half years because God knew what He was doing. But you have to be willing to say, my brain says this at times, but I'm going to trust with what God says. And this is an incredible tension because we're called to live by wisdom. And we should learn wisdom. We should learn about finances. We should learn godly wisdom. And we should live by godly wisdom until God says otherwise. And that's where the tension comes. There's this, I won't read, I gave the guys the scripture, but in, I think it's in Mark 8 where the disciples are talking about the, the, the miracle of the 5,000 loaves. And Jesus says to them, hey, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. And they start freaking out. They're like, oh, is he worried again? We're going to run out of bread? And Jesus is like, seriously, what are you talking to me about bread for? Do you not remember the 5,000? Do you not remember the miracles? Why are you talking to me about bread? Can I tell you something? Sometimes our prayer life, God's in heaven. Seriously, can you just stop talking about bread? Can can you just stop talking about all the natural stuff that could even happen without me? Could we start to have some conversations that are a little bit above bread? Could we start to have some conversations where you'd actually get your mind out of the way and you'd start to believe that I'm the God that spoke everything into being, that I could make anything happen in your life. But so often we're talking about bread because you've got to make way for the king in your mind. The second thing is you've got to make way for the king in your will. Mind, will, and emotions. Mind is thinking. Will is action. It's schedule. It's your will. It's what you choose to do. The miracle about the story of Christmas is he's a king that gave everyone a free will. See, see that, that's, that, those two things almost contradict because most kings... The, the very fact that they are kings says that there is not free will. Because if I'm a king, that means you are subject. There's no voting. I'm the king. I didn't get elected. I'm the king. And you are a subject, so you will abide. But, but we have a king that is so loving that he actually gave you free will. He doesn't make you become a subject. He says, I've given you free will, and you can choose to make me your king. Now, of course, there will come a day, one day, the Bible says, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. So eventually, you will run out of that grace period. But while you're here on earth, you have three will to choose whether or not you make Him your King.
And so again, in all of these stories, Mary, she could have said no. She could have said, I'm sorry, but the wedding's planned. I've already bought the dress. Your plan is going to wreck the dress. It's going to wreck the whole wedding because everybody's going to be like, she's pregnant. And who's going to believe that it, well, I had an encounter with God and now I'm pregnant. No, you had an encounter with Joseph. <laughs> anyway. And so she easily could have said, no, you're not the king of my will. I choose a different path. Find somebody else. Joseph could have done the same. What will my buddies think when I tell them that it's God's baby? My, my buddies are going to think I'm an idiot and I've had the wool pulled over my eyes. He could have said, I choose a different will. And again, of course, with the, 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 the manager could have done the same thing. He could have said, listen, we're already full. We've made enough money. I can't really be bothered getting the stable prepared. And he could have said, go somewhere else. You know, the, a bit of a, uh, I was a youth pastor. We both were youth pastors a long, long time ago. And, and we had 20 incredible leaders that were youth leaders. That just Most of them were young adults and they just loved young people and, and every Friday night, they'd pick up kids and, and we'd just speak life into young people and saw a youth ministry really grow. And, and every now and again, we'd do like a stupid game where we'd make a young person vomit, okay? And I promise you, it's not good for your job security when you're the youth pastor and there's vomit on the altar, okay? That just is not good, okay? And, and so, and then there would always be that kid that, you know, you, you run youth and <clears throat> it takes hours to pack up and get the church back into a state so that you're not going to be in trouble. Which, you know, one out of ten times doesn't happen. Anyway, and, and so, <clears throat> and, and then, you know, you're packed up for like, you know, until ten o'clock at night on Friday. And then that kid comes up to you and he's like, oh, I forgot. Mum can't pick me up tonight. I need someone to take me home. And he lives 45 minutes away, you know, like. And, and so now I've got to either ask one of these great leaders that all love God. And because the preaching's gonna be on in 10, 15 minutes, I really need you to clean up the vomit. Or, 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 or two, I know we've been here since, you know, 4.30 setting up and we're packing down and it's gonna take you 45 minutes to drive him home and then you live 55 minutes from where his house is and you're not gonna get home till well after midnight. And the reality is the 20 leaders, all of them loved God. All of them worship God. But when stuff like that happened, there was a list of three every time that I could go to and say, hey, I'm so sorry, but could you quickly clean up the vomit because we're going to preach in town. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know you've worked all day, but could you drive Johnny home again because he's done it again. <clears throat> and you know, I've watched those three just flourish in life. One of them, one of the young ladies, she now with her husband runs the church that both Jackie and I got born again in on the Gold Coast. And sometimes I wonder if God looks over the earth and maybe he's got someone that's pretty dysfunctional. 
Someone that it's not cool to be seen with. Someone that's a little bit abrupt. Someone that doesn't fit the social norms. And God's in heaven and he's just thinking, man, if someone could just invite him to Christmas lunch. If there was just someone that, that, that would reach out and invite him into your family. But I wonder if someone, God looks at us and me included and says, well, I could ask Lucas this, this, this and this, but I couldn't ask him And so when you make a decision like Mary, Joseph, and the manager to say, God is the king of my will. See, I wonder how much room there is in your schedule, in your will for God to interrupt. You know, most miracles happen on the other side of inconvenience. Imagine the things we miss out on because our schedule is too important. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. But on the other side of that inconvenience is the miracle that God wants to do in yours or someone else's life. See, think about this. We talked about Peru and going on missions trips. Why is it that every time someone goes on a missions trip, they come back with a thousand testimonies? Deaf ears open, this happened, all this stuff. Why? Why does that happen? Because will is about schedule. And when you go on a missions trip, what you're actually saying is, I'm going to let you be the king of my will. I'm going to let you be the king. I'm going to make room for the king when it comes to my schedule and my will. So in other words, instead of just working so hard over here, and there's nothing wrong with doing that and saving for ourselves and blessing us and blessing our family, but for a season you say, well, I'm going to work so hard, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to save, not for me, but I'm going to save for a missions trip. And then instead of taking the week off so I can go on a vacation, I'm going to take a week of my annual leave so I can go and serve people in Peru. See, when you say to God, I'm going to make you the king of my schedule, the king of my will, miracles start to happen. And the last one is this, just if the band could come, the worship team, sorry, could come. The last one is this, is you've got to make room in your heart. And that's your emotions. And so often we're reluctant to really make room for the king in our hearts. Because when we do, who knows it can get a bit messy. Who knows that for Mary to open her heart to this idea from God was going to create a lot of mess. For Joseph, for the manager that allowed her to have the baby in the, in the, in the barn. Who knows that there was going to be a lot of mess. And maybe it's why all of the other managers said no. Because they didn't want to deal with the mess that having a baby on their property. And the reality is when we open our hearts, we often, it often creates mess. And because of this, sometimes we don't give God full access. You know, I love that Pastor Mike Connor was here a little while ago. And no, he's not my dad. And uh, <coughs> just for those. <laughs> and, and so... And he was here, and, and you might have heard him say this, that when pain comes to your heart, you've either got two options, only two. One is to bury it, which what we, a lot of us do that because we don't want to face the mess. We don't want to face the pain, the mess, the tears, the hurt, the, what it could bring forth. And, and so what we do is we push it down. 
And he says that when you do that, I love this, this illustration. He says, what that's like is like getting a knife and cutting your hand and leaving it open and, and pretending that nothing's wrong. And, but everywhere you go, everyone you touch, you leave the traces of your hurt on your spouse, occasionally on your children, your work colleagues. But he says the other option is to not push it down, but to, a, to allow him to come. In other words, to make way, make room for the king in our emotional realm. And so many people are numb to their emotions because they've pushed stuff down. You know, when Mike Connell came, Pastor Mike Connell came, <clears throat> I heard that he was coming to our church. And, and really, in a sense, we minister into a similar kind of arena that he does. I go all over the world and the main thing I'm asked to do is, is freedom. And almost everywhere we go, we'll, I'll do a message in the morning and then at night it's a, it's a massive freedom night, helping people get free of anxiety and addictions and all that kind of stuff. And, and so when I heard Pastor Mike was coming for three weeks, I just felt in my heart, take three weeks off travel. That, that's how I earned the, the majority of our income comes from me being away from traveling. But I felt God say, take three weeks off and serve Pastor Mike Connell. And so I drove him for three weeks, many, many times, midweek on weekends. I was here at East when he was here. And, and so what was I doing? In one sense, I was making room in my schedule, room in my, in my will. Even in my thinking, God, how are we going to be okay? If I don't work for three weeks in a row, that's going to hurt. And my brain kind of like, well, hang on, that doesn't make sense. But I had to trust God. But then the biggest thing that happened when Pastor Mike Connell, it was the room I had to make in my heart because it was like God had set me up. And as soon as I got around him, I started feeling stuff come up in my life that I hadn't felt for probably 20 years. I felt like a little kid around him. I felt insecure. Like it was just all these insecurities and rejection. And he started to speak to me. And it was the first time in my life that I saw that like, I've been a Christian 20 years. And I know there's been areas of low self-worth and different things, but this was the first time where I could put my finger that it's rejection that's caused so many of these other things in my life. And it led to this crescendo where we're away on our staff retreat and some of the guys were there. And, and I remember crying, but I'm not just talking where you cry a little bit, I'm talking ugly crying. And not for five minutes, for like 35 minutes. Like I was a baby just crying. And God showed me so much stuff in that moment. It was like He was just talking direct to me, dealing with rejection. And then finally, Pastor Mike come and the first thing as he prayed, he just broke off uh, rejection and fear of abandonment. I got so touched by God. And after he went, there was still a process. Because sometimes deliverance, what we think is it's a magic wand. Come here and I'll fix 20 years of your dysfunction in a moment. That's magic. Sometimes what deliverance is, is actually helping you see what you've never been able to see. So now you know what to process and to work on so you can do the work to step into your freedom. And so I journeyed that. And I pro probably the two weeks after he left were probably one of the hardest I've had. But then started, as I started to press in to this thing of breaking rejection, Believe in what God says about me. That's amazing. 
because if I just be honest with you for a moment, probably the last two months for us, so a little bit after Pastor Mike went, I would say, well, without a doubt, have been mine and Jackie's hardest two months that we've lived here in America and probably the hardest in a very long time. And a lot of it's to do with visas and just stuff like that that we just didn't see coming that completely rocked our world. And, and so it was incredibly tough two months. We're sort of coming to a point where we think we've sorted it. It's not exactly how we wanted, but it's still going to be okay for us to continue. But I actually wonder if I hadn't have opened my heart and made way for the king emotionally, would have I been able to handle the hardest season of my life? Because even with what God had done, which think about it, was rejection. And I won't go right into it, but the visa issue for me, in a sense, is being rejected by America. And even with what God had done in me, it was the hardest season. And I wasn't perfect in that season. And there was times where I was angry and acted in a wrong manner. But I got through the season. But I wonder if I may not have even got through the season and maybe just said, well, I'm going home where it's easier and I'm not going to keep going where he says. But so, so I want to just say right now, you got to open your heart to the King. And if you're in this place today and you've never come to a place where you've truly opened your heart to the King, where you've truly just opened your heart and said, yeah, I don't know everything. Maybe my brain gets in the way a bit. Yeah, it'll affect my will. Yeah, it'll change your life. You'll have to live differently. But the start of it is to just simply open your heart and say, God, I just trust that you're a loving God. You're a good God. And the whole message of Christmas is that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only Son. That Jesus, in a sense, chose to give up His power. I mean, He could have had it back at any moment, but He chose to live a normal life like a man, to humble Himself and, listen, go from being God that was in heaven to a little baby that it needed a mum and dad to take care of him. But he loved the world so much that God made room so that all of us could be part of his family. But the way that that happens first is when you in your heart choose to say, I'm going to make room. I don't know what it all means, but I'm going to make room for a loving God, a king that cares about me to come and take residence in my heart. And I'm going to go on a journey. I won't be perfect. Changing what I think. Being about His will rather than mine. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.